Oh my god, Slack is breaking everywhere yeah, for don't, me. Don't, don't. Just quit gold. Slack. That's what you do. I'm trying to find the show notes. Show notes. I'm trying to find the show notes. I'm trying to find the <laughs> show notes. I'm trying to find the bloody show notes. <laughs> Master Bruce. <laughs> After 50-something shows, Matt, you still can't find the show notes. Well, Master Wayne. Let me just text them to you. You want me to mail them to you? I'll print them out and put them through your letterbox. Would that one? That sounds pretty good. Yeah. Well, can someone like text it to I'm me? I'm sending something? it to you. I'm going to send it to this group chat that we use to coordinate Overwatch because <laughs> that's the one near the top. <laughs> <laughs> so, because we've had a lot of new listeners lately, I thought it would be good to introduce each of us. And last time we tried to do this, we did kind of sound a little bit like a children's TV show. So I'm going to try and and not make it sound like that. So for those who might not know, allow me to introduce you to Mr. Michael Fay, as we like to call him, Rue. So anything to say for yourself, Rue? Hi. Yeah, no. uh, No, it's nice to be here. What is this? What are we doing? (laughs) (laughs) Rue is a lovable rogue, but he's also VP of Engineering here at 1Password. Oh, it's true. Boy, you make me sound so important, which is good because uh, I need that ego boost. So thank you. Nice. And then we have Matt Davey, the man with the smooth voice. Keep wanting to say COO, but... Of course, you are now CXO at 1Password. I am, yeah. I've taken less of a generalist role and more of a design role, which is where I feel like I'm strongest. So that's awesome. Nice. I kind of look after a bunch of teams at 1Password. I think it's, it's really nice to have new listeners. And, and I guess the, the context of what we do within 1Password is, is kind of lost sometimes. But I think, you know, most of the small minor interactions of 1Password and how you generally use it has probably at some point been either influenced by myself or Rue. I, d- I don't think that's too big big-headed to say. No, it's it's not. Yeah. So I run the, the client apps teams here at 1Password. So if you're using 1Password on Mac or iOS or Windows or Android or in your browser, uh, congratulations, you're using something that my team built. So Nice. Yeah. And saving the best to last, I am the producer and editor of Random But Memorable. So if you hate the show, you only really have me to blame. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, One of the things that I like to kind of do some team building within my my teams is within the, the design team, we actually build these kind of trading cards. And one of the one of the questions that you have to answer on your own trading card as you're designing it, joining the team is uh, what you're most likely to be heard saying. So, uh, Rue, what are you most likely to be heard saying at one password? Mine is interesting. I say interesting too many times a day ah okay mine is the word folks i use the word folks everything hello folks greetings folks good day folks uh i use the word folks way too much (laughs) i like that also you're most likely to hear me laugh that's the other thing my big stupid laugh is probably just the bane of everyone's existence i feel like we set each other off as well yeah that's true uh anna how about you mine i would say is just no worries you do say no worries a lot That's going to get you in trouble, you know. Yeah, I saw a tweet the other day which summed it up perfectly, which was something like, I say no worries too much for somebody that's 90% worry or something. (laughs) (laughs) So with that, shall we jump into some Watchtower Weekly? Yeah, do um, do you know a fun fact that I actually came up with the name Watchtower for the product? We were throwing around a load in, in the room, and I, I think I can say this. It was Shiner's jelly bean phase, so he, he was he was pacing, 
uh, around the room. Shiner being our CEO, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So uh, he is now on a very strict diet, but at the time he would order kind of kilogram bags of jelly beans. And uh, this was this was one of those phases. Yeah, we, we were in a room going through kind of ideas. I think Stronghold was, was thrown out at some point. Some two on the end of like military and some two on the end of kind of not sounding strong enough for something that defends you and, and looks after your personal security. Uh, so yeah, we came up with Watchtower. And we're using that name to kind of talk about, you know, things that are happening in the industry because Watchtower essentially looks at the dark web and, and finds these data breaches, finds breaches of your, of your privacy and alerts you to them within the Mac app and the, the Windows app and, and all, all of these places where you're using them every day. And so we decided to use that name for, for Watchtower Weekly, which is us looking at the, the security news. Yeah, very, very cool. So I, I think we go straight into the first stories. So Ireland's data watchdog slammed for letting ad tech carry on biggest breach of all time. So yeah, their definition of a breach is, a, is an interesting one here. But essentially, this all revolves around real-time bidding. Do you know anything about real-time bidding, Rue? No. Like on eBay or... No, when you load a page... Those advertising slots aren't kind of pre-given out. So essentially what, what happens is your profile goes out to Google's real-time bidding system and it sends your data of your profile to around 968 companies. And those can kind of pick, okay, yes, I want to show an advert to this person and, and no, I don't, based on your, your behavior and all this type of thing. And if there are more than certain, you know, more than one or two companies that, that want to show that to you, a bid happens. You know, it's bidding for your attention. These profiles can kind of build intimate dossiers about people and your behavior. And these things are sent out by what is called data brokers. And I hate all of these things. These dossiers can essentially contain some really personal and very disturbing things so a, a profile built by a data broker with with real-time bidding allows google's system to target 1200 people in ireland in this case profiled with substance abuse for example and other health conditions profiled by things like diabetes chronic pain and, and sleep disorders so you can get down to some real identifying elements here and the, the dossier of evidence here is, is detailing how the online ad targeting industries are profiling these intimate characteristics of users without their knowledge or really without their consent either, and has been published by the Irish Council for Civil Liberties. Piling more pressure on the country's data watchdog to, to take you know enforcement over these, which is what people call essentially the, the biggest personal data breach of, of all time. It's hard to see how the current practices of the targeted ad industry can really be possibly compliant with EU law. So in, in spite of that, that, you know, this massive scale on which internet users are, are being profiled is still being processed. And so the Irish DPC opened an investigation into Google's online ad exchange in May 2019, following a complaint filed by uh, Dr. Johnny Ryan, two first names, uh, in in September 2018. But two years on, that complaint and many others of kind of cross-control GDPR cases remains unsolved. So really, I think that like all of this behavioral advertising 
and profiling just needs so, so much more stricter compliance and, and regulation around it. This is like this whole industry didn't exist 30 years ago. You know, like this is this is one of those things where before advertising was, you know, billboards and, and sort of bus stop signs and things of that nature. And of course, print and whatnot. But there were not these the level of analytics that we have around it today. And because there's no guidelines or anything else, like it just sort of took on a life of its own and went in a direction that is not necessarily healthy for people. Yeah, I think the detail of these has just increased and increased and increased over time. TechCrunch actually labeled these as Stasi-esque dossiers that are being handed over, no strings attached, billions of times per day. So, you know, you don't really know where they're ending up. I can just create a company that buys these profiles and that shows information to, uh, you know, th these pieces of information to very specific people. The ones that always freak me out a little bit, it's, it's only happened a couple of times, but I have been advertised to for things that I was thinking about buying but hadn't said to anybody yet. Mm -hmm. And that concerns me only from the, the point of view of like, is this predictive? Like, did they, is there something in, in sort of my history that is that that drives them to be like, ah, at this point, this guy's probably thinking about buying sneakers. So you should hit him up with some ads for sneaks. Like, what level of detail? I would I would just love to know what my profile is. I kind of want to, like, I'm, I'm a little like morbidly curious to know like, how I look to yeah. online companies. Have you ever done that thing where you can download? Yeah, I was going to say you can you can download the Instagram. Yeah, really? That's oh my gosh! Creepy. They have like pages of interests on you, <gasps> and it is pretty accurate. Oh my gosh! I'm going to go uh, live on the podcast. I'm going to do this right now because this sounds very interesting. Oh, I think it takes a good ten minutes to actually uh, to actually gather it all and, and load it. It is interesting how these data driven online marketing activities, you know, if they're proved to be illegal at the scale of which they're happening and, and that they undermine mm. or violate people's rights and, and, and freedoms in certain areas. How does this stop in, in one location? Like, I do believe perhaps personally, rather than from a, from a company's point of view, that this, you know, does undermine GDPR because all, all of this has been being done without my consent. You know, where, where does the line of uh, personally identifiable information or, or PII, you know, where does that land within this you know kind of information how many interests do you need to target about someone or or kind of you know profile on someone without them being identifiable like the the, the fingerprint has to be complete at some point right yeah and there's so much money to be made with this kind of stuff that it's not going to slow down anytime soon oh yeah have you ever searched for a mattress online my goodness yeah. Yeah. suddenly there's thousands of companies out there that have exactly the type of memory foam cooling mattress that I want. <laughs> uh, so, so next we have Google formally bans stalkerware from the Play Store. Uh, so Google has updated its Play Store rules to impose a formal ban on stalkerware. Stalkerware is known as spouseware as well. It's a term used to describe apps that track a user's movements, snoop on calls and messages and record other apps' activity. Uh, it's usually advertised to users as a way to discover cheating partners or track their children while outside their homes and is a way to, to keep an eye on employees at work as well. Uh, the scary thing that, that these apps can be installed and run on the device without owner's knowledge operating in the uh, kind of operating systems background. I hate all of these things. Yeah. Uh, there was a, a headline on the BBC today 
as well that spoke about someone who was quite happy and, and wanted to tell everybody how he has gotten remote work to work for him. It, it was at the top of the BBC and it was about this this company. And essentially what he was talking about was that he monitors his staff with screenshots, like his software that, that he was really happy to tell everybody about, including the BBC. It takes uh, screenshots of, of their screen at certain interludes and then sends that to him. Wow. And he was coming at it from the angle of, oh, he knows what it's like to waste a bit of time at work and that with this, he, he wouldn't have to you know, do anything. He could track his workers' hours, keystrokes, mouse movements. Oh. I think really what he was doing there was creating an advert of why not to work for his company. That is so gross. That is, that is so gross. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. yeah. The, the disgusting thing was the BBC actually put that together with a story about a guy who has admitted that he found working from home hard and that he had a drop in his productivity. And I just think sitting those two together is an enforcement of the problem in terms of things that, that monitor other people, right? I'm, I'm lumping in two types of software there that are both gross, one maybe more than the other. But the ban formally on, on Stalkerware, I think it's way long overdue. Oh, absolutely. There's no good use for this type of software, be yeah. it like at work for monitoring people of, of their productivity. But like with everybody working from home, using the computer right? The house computer for everything. That kind of invasion of privacy is just gross. Mm. I think that it even extends to, you know, workplace owned devices. It's one thing if someone is using a business owned device for illicit things and, and, and whatnot. But at a certain point, when it comes to tracking productivity, either your employees are doing what they're supposed to be doing, and you, there's a level of trust there, and you have ways of sort of tracking the outcome of what they're doing, or you don't trust them, and that's almost like a that's a bigger problem and a bigger discussion to have. It's it's not like, well, you know, someone might be doing something that I don't want them to. So I'm going to install a bunch of spyware like, no, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I think absolutely the same goes with Stalkerware, right? Yeah. You have personal problems if you are installing this on anybody's device. Mm. Maybe you should look at those rather than try and track your children outside the house using Stalkerware or, or similar. So with everything you said, Matt, do you think this is just a PR stunt? from Google. No, I, I actually think that this is really good in a way that kind of makes it official. Stalkerware really legitimizes itself in a bunch of ways, but the main use of it is illegal and honestly immoral. And so I, I think formally banning it is a really good stance to take. Like it, it means that you know, the, the ways that they legitimize themselves by saying, hey, you can, you know, track your kids and that's somehow OK. And you can track your employees and, and you know, this is legitimate. Totally. Don't worry. Very rarely they, they say, you know, you can discover cheating partners and install it on people's device without them knowing. And that's because, you know, that is illegal. So they, they try and legitimize themselves. But by formally banning it, I think what they're saying is like, regardless of how you market your app being used like this. Its actual use is now not allowed, yeah. which I think is really good. I just know that there was a TechCrunch investigation about, well, Google said that they were going to ban the actual stalkerware ads in July, and that never happened. So it'll be interesting to see if this actually gets enforced. Yeah, that's that's true. I, I feel like, you know, banning ads like that is it, a lot more difficult than 
not allowing an app on the store and having someone review it when it gets reported. Yeah. Ads, as we've spoken about in the last story, really are the Wild West. Look at elections and a lot of places aren't just banning electoral ads. Ads to that effect. They are just anything that mentions this term, they're banning. There's a wildly large ban on a huge term rather than, say, specific types of, of filtering. So, yeah, I, I think they have a lot more control over the App Store, I, I would hope. Yeah, hopefully it'll make a difference. I agree, yeah. So next up, we have This Week at 1Password. This is the segment where we like to take you behind the scenes at 1Password and kind of really lift the curtain on how the magic happens. I don't know, am I allowed to call 1Password magic, Matt? Uh, uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so joining us this week is David Hogg. David is Team Manager of Customer Success and is here today to discuss how we work with our customers, but also to showcase some of the fun and unique ways folks are using 1Password. So I feel like I'm known as like, you know, the one with the nice voice, but I feel like I'm about to get shown up. David, how's your week going? Matt, my week is going just fine and I'm always a fan of your dulcet tones, so... Just a bit north of the border and you've got yourself some variety in the mix. Yes, I, I, I feel like my accent comes across very bland as soon as you open your mouth. <laughs> well, honestly, I get more often than not that I sound like Shrek. So I take that for what you will, but not perhaps the most endearing accent I've been told. But I'm trying to go for more of the Sean Connery vibe. That's the goal here. <laughs> so uh, what does a team manager of customer success look like at one password like how do you spend your your day to day yeah a lot of what i'm doing is working behind the scenes to make sure that the structure and, and processes are in place so that our own team can succeed in helping our customers succeed so that might mean what it does right now which is hiring a lot of people our team is growing rapidly i'm doing a lot of things to kind of put the the pieces in place like our, our team culture and what do the different things that we need to do to make the culture resonate throughout the interactions with our customers through so a lot of things to make sure that everybody else is in a position to go out and help our customers in the best way possible and then i'm meeting a lot with customers myself getting the chance to make sure that all of our teams and business customers are experiencing the fullness of one password and utilizing it effectively so really enjoyable day-to-day -day getting to interact with our own team and the wonderful customers that we have at one password so what not many people know is is actually kind of where my focus is in the organization and i actually have a team focused on onboarding and kind of fixing some of the user experience issues that we have when someone signs up right you know all the dots aren't quite magically connected as as they really should be i feel like customer success fits in really nicely with what i'm doing and and kind of i try and help the people that perhaps customer success can't can't get to because you you know you can't talk to absolutely everybody who signs up for one password and there's there's some really nice kind of duo goals between us but what's kind of the the main goal that you're looking for when when working with customers i mean that's a really good point matt i think a lot of it does revolve around making sure that the customer journey from the very beginning all the way through to years into their membership with us is one that is marked by positive experiences so i like to think of uh, an anecdote of a time where I was out 
hiking in Olympic National Park in Washington State a couple of years ago. I hadn't done my research. I was on a trail that was, I would later find out, marked as extremely difficult and should not be done without a guide or without proper hiking gear and climbing gear, which I was not equipped for. Didn't have the right shoes, didn't have the right clothes, nothing. And the weather turned and I was stuck. And I, I like to think of customer success kind of being an experienced trail guide of sorts. So stepping in to help our customers that may have endeavored on their one password adventure, if you will, but really help them find the best path forward, equip them with the tools that they need to make it through their journey and bring others along with them so that as more of their team members are onboarding to their membership, they have a positive experience as well. So that in a nutshell is kind of what we're trying to be. Those experienced, trusted resources that are acting really as an extension of our customers' teams. Wow, that's incredibly well put. Although I wish 1Password were very self-explanatory, I, I think, you know, you can get yourself down a real deep rabbit hole or, or stuck down a cliff, which, whichever analogy you wish to use, quite seriously sometimes. So it's uh, it's great that for our larger, more complex customers um, who, who want to do all sorts with 1Password, that they have that. How has kind of the, the customer service and, and the relationship between customer service and customer success, like how has that changed over the years? Well, we really started examining where there were opportunities to help our customers. We realized that for some of our customers, they'd been with us for years and hadn't had much interaction from our side. After they signed up for their membership, they were on their own. They were exploring the different facets of 1Password and reaching out to our customer support team when they ran into an issue. And we realized, you know what, we really want to be a part of their experience throughout. So our team has come in and started by working with some of our established customers just to make sure that they are fully aware of all of the powerful resources that are at their fingertips that maybe they haven't had the chance to explore yet. Or maybe they've been you know, struggling within their own IT department that has a ton on their plate outside of just administering the 1Password account. And we can come in and say, look, let's shoulder the burden with you and we will do whatever we can to make sure that you are secure, make sure that you're confident and make sure that you can make 1Password a regular part of everybody in your organization's workday without having to exert more effort than you really should. Yeah, that's great. How does that change kind of from teams to business to enterprises, like at all those different sizes? Like how, how are you approaching it? differently with each of those. Absolutely. I think based on the different size of team, whether it's a team's customer, business customer, enterprise customer, you can imagine the needs look vastly different. So in some cases, we might have a small team of, let's say, 50, and it's a super fan of 1Password who has been administering the account, they've gotten started on their own, and they're able to do a lot with a little, effectively. They're able to really use everything that's a part of their team's membership to manage their team accordingly. But there might be some features that they're not aware of. We might be able to help them more efficiently manage their account. Then you get to the business level and maybe there are massive teams of hundreds or thousands of users and maybe they're not aware that we have integration with their identity provider and we can help them more easily provision or deprovision their team members as they're coming and going so that it's all tied in with their Okta instance or their Azure Active Directory or whatever the case may be. And then at the enterprise level, we're taking that step even further Maybe there's 10,000 employees or, or multiple tens of thousands of employees that they have. And we can do a bit more of a tailored, bespoke service, if you will, to make sure that their plan to implement 1Password 
goes smoothly from beginning to end and check in periodically as more waves of users are coming in, as other owners and administrators of the account are joining the team, we can train them to effectively run with their 1Password membership. Yeah, that's massively exciting. As much as it scares me, again, being responsible for onboarding, you know, you saying waves of users, there's so much that, that we can do in the in the software to help people get set up as well. But it's great kind of having your team being the, the kind of the backup for that at all different sizes. So we're, we're, you know, really proud to have this kind of hugely diverse and, and enthusiastic customer base. Some customers I would call kind of, you know, fanatic rather than enthusiastic. But some of our, our customers come up with, you know, really clever and interesting ways of, of using the product. Do you have some favorite examples of, you know, the ways customers have told you that they're using 1Password? Yeah, I mean, especially in this day and age, in the time of COVID-19, we're seeing a lot of interesting ways in which people are using 1Password to keep their team safe or even using 1Password to accomplish their mission. So on a more serious note, we see people who are focused on creating a vaccine for COVID-19 who are using 1Password to make sure that their team are secure online while they're going about the rest of their responsibilities or those who are involved with meal delivery programs and things of that nature. And they're using 1Password to navigate the realities of their daily life as part of their role at work. But on a fun side, I've spoken with some customers who have actually told us that they throw a semi-annual security carnival in which they do things like what you might hear on the Random But Memorable podcast and try and get, for example, some of their team members to come up with a strong password. They'll enter it in one password, use Watchtower to show that person just how weak or strong the password that they came up with was, and then highlight how one password can take the human effort and human error out and show you how to create a strong password with a high degree of entropy. And so it's really fun to think about how people are using different means like a security carnival to draw attention to the benefits of 1Password and how it can make the lives of their team members a lot easier. That's awesome. I think we just came up with another idea for a segment just then. <laughs> I like to tell the story as well. I was getting on a plane to Toronto and I was wearing a 1Password t-shirt and the pilot of that plane stopped me and said, you know, that he uses 1Password do I work there? I said, yes. And that actually he flies commercial or, or whatever it is most of the time, but his side gig is kind of transporting luxury cars. And he actually uses 1Password to profile all the information about every car and all the VIN numbers and everything like that of all the cars that he's ever transported. And, you know, because that information is obviously fairly top secret to the people who buy end up buying the cars, uh, he keeps it in 1Password. In so the whole flight then, which is about eight hours, all that was on my mind is it is not designed for that at all. And and I wonder how we can make it better. And, you know, kind of the, the small things that we could do that wouldn't affect anybody else, but like would make his experience better. And I think every time I approach customers and it's a completely wild and non-normal use for 1Password, it's always fun. Yeah, that's a great example. I think we will encounter more and more of those stories the more that our team gets to interact with customers. But that's a great example. I really like that. So to finish up, what's your favorite thing about working at 1Password? Hands down, it has to be listening to the beautiful voice of Matt Davey week in and week out. I get a front row seat to perhaps the most enticing, thrilling voice, dare I say, that the world has to offer. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. I mean, I would say our people, our people are unbelievable. I think that's been the joy of working at 1Password from the onset. We've got such a bright and interesting, creative, intelligent team that is so helpful and caring 
that you couldn't want to be anywhere else. I mean, I've developed some of the closest relationships I've got through 1Password, and that's something that I'll treasure for the rest of my life. So it just makes all the work that we do, which is already significant, that much more significant and enjoyable, knowing that the people that you get to do it with day in and day out are some of the most incredible people in the world. So it's always a treat. Hopefully we'll get a chance to to see some of our favorite faces at 1Password in person as all of this COVID-19 eventually blows over, but I think it's like a big family reunion every time we get a chance to be together. So as much as I enjoy hearing everybody and seeing everybody in Slack, I can't wait to be able to see some of those people in person again. Yeah, that's great. It feels like as, as soon as all this is kind of a bit safer in the world that we should definitely grab a pint in Glasgow. That would be a blast. I would really enjoy that. But you know what? There's always room for a pint at a Glasgow pub. So whenever it's safe, make your way up across the border and uh, we will absolutely enjoy filling whatever room we're in with our lovely dulcet tones. Absolutely. Thanks so much for, for joining us, David. Oh, it was a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Okay, so moving on, we have Play Your Passwords Right. Does anyone want to explain the rules of Play Your Passwords Right? Oh, I'll take this one. No, because they're far too complex. <laughs> no, quiet now. This is fine. So there's this wonderful website called Have I Been Pwned? And it's it's integrated into one password, and it lets you know if any passwords that you have have been exposed in data breaches online. And what's cool is you can go to Have I Been Pwned and type in passwords or phrases and see if they've been exposed in previous breaches. Now, what we do is we take a topic or a subject such as Star Wars or Harry Potter, and we come up with a series of 10 potential thematic passwords. And then for each one, we put it into Have I Been Pwned? And, you know, we get the number of times it's been exposed. And then it's up to the people playing the game to say if that password has been uh, exposed more times or less times than the one before. <laughs> Matt, you're right. It's very complicated. It's probably easier just to play it and let people figure it out as we go. So last episode, we actually ran a giveaway and asked folks to come up with a theme for Play Passwords, right? And we had loads of suggestions, everything from the Beatles to the Simpsons. But this time, there can only be one winner and we're going to go with the theme that Dane on Twitter suggested, which was terrible passwords. So he said, take a poll of the worst simple passwords, i.e. password123, love123, my password, and most importantly, one password. So that is the theme for today's Play Your Passwords, right? Right, this is a brilliant theme. So the first terrible password is my password, and it has been breached. <laughs> 39,769 oh, times. This is oh awful. I love it. I'd love to do some, you know, digging into the, the data on this and find out whether those are recent. Yikes. Because yeah. I imagine they're quite old. You would hope they were quite old. Yeah, you've got to have a number at least now. Yeah. So the next password we have is password 123. What do we think? That's that's higher. Oh, it's definitely higher. For sure. You are correct. Oof. It is 123,063. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> oh, I love it. And the next one we have is I love you. Oh, that's uh, What do we think? Lower. Is that higher or lower than password 123? Lower. I, I think it... We're going lower. It, it feels like you're saying I love you to the to the service <laughs> that you're putting your password yeah. into. So you are incorrect. Uh, no. This is more with oh 1.6 million people. Oh, that's a lot. Yikes. Just over 1.6 million people using the word I oh, love you. Do you know what? 
that's that restores a little faith in humanity. Like that's that's just some positivity that <laughs> people are putting out into the world every time they have to type in their password. That's wonderful. I mean, it's a terrible idea. It is terrible, but also like think about the the, the place that this person's coming from. Like that there's love in their heart and they want to share it. Okay. I mean, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like your theory. I'm just Ray. I'm trying to get my head round. 1.6 million. The next password we have is test. Well, so if if we're just talking like developers building services that have then been breached, this is higher. higher. Absolutely higher. No, no, I'm going lower. Lower. Okay. So I Matt, love it when we split. you are correct. It is ah, seventy-six thousand seven hundred and eighty-two. The last one, Rue, was one point six million. <laughs> yeah, well, one point six million. All right, I understand. Don't say it again. Okay, so the next one we have is one, two, three, four, five. How many times has that been caught in a breach? More than test or More less or than less. test? That's yeah. that's the game. Aww. By the way, if you're just joining us, uh, we're playing Play Your Passwords Right. <laughs> no, no one tunes into a podcast in the last 10 minutes. <laughs> Maybe they might love this game so much. <laughs> they just skipped ahead. Right, I'm I'm going higher. Higher. Yeah, just a, just a little rattle on the keyboard. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, all right. I'm going to stick with higher as well. No, wait, wait, wait. No, lower. I'm going to double down. I'm, double, Ooh, I'm doubling down. Are you if, sure, Rue? Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure because... Here's the thing. I need to retake the tie so that I can then win. So I'm going, I'm going to go, I'm going to take the opposing Oh, I like your thinking. But uh, you just lost yourself another point because Matt is correct. Gosh, darn it. There's no coming back. (laughs) At (gasps) 2.3 million. People using the password. One, two, three, four, five. This is a roller coaster of emotions. It is. So very similar on the same lines here. We have ABC123. What do we think? Right. I'm going for keyboard location on this. I think because because of keyboard location, I'm going <laughs> like one, two, three, four, five. Easy to just, you know, slap on the keyboard. ABC. I like the logic you're projecting here. Yeah. I'm going lower. And also two, 2.389 million. I'm going higher. <sighs> like, of course it's lower. Nope. It's higher. So, Rue, you're clawing back the points because it is higher at 2.8 million. What? Yes. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Next up we have... Here we go. QWERTY. QWERTY is actually quite difficult to type. Well, it's not because it's in a line on the keyboard, so... Unless you're one of those people that uses a Dvorak keyboard. uh, Yes. In which case, then then I don't know. Yeah, but there's, you know, (laughs) quite a lot of them in a line. What do we think, guys? Is it more or less than 2.8... Million. I, my whole world is shaken. I have no idea anymore. Well, how do you know? How, now you know how I felt after test. Uh, we're going lower on this one, by the way. This is yeah, lower. lower, definitely. You are both incorrect. <sighs> it is three point nine oh, no. million people. I'm nearly <laughs> four million. I don't know what to do anymore. Using the password qwerty there. Well, I don't know what to do here. All right. Next up, we have baby girl. All one word, all lowercase. Lower. <laughs> mm, baby girl. Baby girl. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, give it to me just one more time. Mm, baby girl. Mm, baby girl. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, without the classic three M's in front of it, I, I, it must be lower than QWERTY. It's lower. You are both correct at 244,000. Oh, thank goodness. I'm not we- sure we could go any higher. Penultimate password here is f- passwords <laughs> <laughs> wow so we're gonna get a bleep on this one is what i'm guessing here we're gonna get a bleep on that one yeah uh so this is higher yeah higher so hold on 
I'm flexing the rules here, by the way, I'm introducing a new rule. Not only is this higher than Baby Girl, but I'm gonna get two points for this because it's also higher than I Love You. No, you can't just make up rules. Um, yes, higher than 244,000. Unfortunately, you are both incorrect. It is. No way. 516 people get got caught out. in a breach with f- passwords. Oh, well, not too many people that frustrated with passwords. No. Though. Everyone loves passwords, let's face it. This one is just, this has been all over the place for me. Okay, so final password. Can you guess what it is? I'm presuming that you're going to go the word one password. And how many people have used that as a yep, password? You yes, you are correct. Okay. You don't get a point for that. What do you mean I don't get a point for that? That was harder to guess than all the rest of them. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely higher than 516. How many do you think? Any guesses? Oh my gosh. It's it's higher than, than, the, than the previous. <laughs> This is not, this, this is not, uh, what is it? Price is right. This is not the game. The price is right. (laughs) You are correct. It is more. We have 2,799 people with the password. One password. Right. Those people, uh, have obviously misunderstood how you implement one password. Excellent. Yeah. Well, this has been entirely <laughs> depressing. Yeah, we, we hit the millions. 3.9 million people using QWERTY. <laughs> yeah, and 2.8 using ABC123. I feel like there's a marketing opportunity here for us somehow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, have I been pwned actually emails? If there is a, a breach of a username password, yeah. have I been pwned emails all, all of these people and tells them that they're in a data breach? And so that has sent out 3.946 <laughs> million people and said actually QWERTY is not that safe. And I wonder if those people were surprised. There has been a study that only 55% of those people change that password as well. So there's still 45% of people still using QWERTY out there. Password managers, people. Password managers. You should use them. And in particular, uh, you should use the password manager 1Password. (laughs) Today's podcast brought to you by 1Password. It's a password manager that helps you stay safe online. That's a freebie. You can use that. You can use that one anytime you like. I'm just going to slowly fade you out there, Ruth. <laughs> just fade me out. <laughs>